It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hanging out with you till 10 o'clock. Jacob Perry, Harvey Cruz along for the ride. They're producing the program on this Thursday. And like it's, it's like a national holiday. The fact that the NFL season kicks off here, which we've waited months and months and months for. And then, you know, like, I appreciate it even more if you allow yourself to just sit back for a second and just think about what the month of August was like and think about what training camp and preseason football was like. And can you imagine if you had to actually sit down and watch another preseason game tonight? Like, would anybody want that to happen at all? And, of course, the answer is no. But we get the real thing. You get the team that hoisted the trophy last year with the Rams. You got the team that, dare I say, most people think are going to hoist the trophy this year in the Buffalo Bills going out there to the West Coast, and they're going to square off. Now, look, you don't always get, like, the best brand of football in this season opener on the Thursday night because – Let's be real. Look around the rest of the league once week one hits. You know, these guys don't play much in the preseason. These guys aren't doing, you know, the tackling, the hitting, the, the you know, the, the chemistry. That's why, you know, you got a lot of bad tackling in the first week of the season. I mean, plain and simple. The guys are just, you know, not in sync like you would expect them to be here. And, you know, I'm always a big proponent of I would rather not have an important game, like, right out of the shoots. Like, that's why I hate when division games are scheduled in week one. Because not everybody is at their best at the beginning of the season. I would rather play a team maybe like in the other conference where the game is not going to come back to bite you in terms of tiebreakers later on in the season. You know, like, that That would be my preference. But, you know, Bills and Rams could do that, right? They're both in an opposite conference. So, I mean, down the road, the game is not going to mean all that much. I know you might have bragging rights and measuring stick and the whole country is watching and that sort of thing. And so maybe it adds a little bit more pomp and circumstance. But still, you know, if you got to play a division game in week, you know, the Giants in Tennessee, for example, perfect. You know, Giants lose this game, whatever. It's not going to come back to bite them. It's an AFC opponent. You know, but like Bills or excuse me, Dolphins Patriots in week one in the division. That's a big game. You only get six division matchups. You know, you want to win them all. But to have one right away when maybe you're not at your best and you're not firing on all cylinders, I always hated that. I just always did. But nevertheless, we're going to do plenty of football tonight. And we'll give you our picks for the season. Not week one picks. We're going to do those tomorrow on a football Friday. But we'll give you the season picks who the division winners are going to be, who the playoff teams are going to be, Super Bowl matchup. How about that? I'll give you a little hint, hint, too, on the Super Bowl matchup. One of the teams I think is going to be playing in that game in Glendale, Arizona, in February, is actually going to be playing on the field tonight. Oh, look at that. Tease, 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 baby, tease. But we're going to debut a new little segment, new little feature for you on the show. As I said, we got a lot of things planned during the football season. So I'm glad that we're finally getting a chance to roll out some of these. Something we like to call, or we are going to call, behind enemy lines. And what that is, well, we know who the Jets and the Giants are playing, but we want to know more about those teams. So we are going to feature a little inside look on each of the weekly opponents for the two locals during the week. And we're going to begin it tonight. Kadri Ismail, 
who played for the Ravens, now is part of the media down there in Baltimore, covers the Ravens. He's going to join us to talk about the Jets' week one opponent in Baltimore, of course. That'll be a little bit later on this hour. Uh, and tomorrow, we'll look at the Tennessee Titans, who are playing the Giants in week one. Teron Davenport from ESPN, who covers the Titans, he'll join us tomorrow. So that is our behind enemy lines feature here for week number one. So we look forward to that. We will do baseball in hour number two. Jim Duquette, our pal from SNY, MLB Network Radio, former Met GM, will join us to talk a little Mets and Yankees. Mets, of course, with the night off. They're enjoying their Thursday day off down in South Beach, hopefully not getting into too much trouble and hopefully just resting more than anything else. You know, after they had a real good day in Pittsburgh yesterday and kind of restored order as much as you would hope that they would be able to against a crummy Pirates team. You know, and Lindor had that big knock in the night camp, and you hope that that gets him going because there's a few guys in this lineup, man, they got to start hitting. You know, if this Mets team is going to be what we all thought it could be and what it can be, some of these guys got to start hitting their weight a little bit. And I don't know if they're tired, they're fatigued. You know, Buck is playing these guys, you know, fairly regularly. Maybe this day off is going to help. Maybe the, you know, off day on Monday also is going to help them a little bit here. So we'll see. And I think that the thing that helps the Mets also more than anything, when you look at this Marlins team they're playing, and the Marlins aren't any good. Um, I, 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 you know, he's a nice guy. He's an icon here in New York City. But you just got to wonder, like, how much longer is Don Mattingly going to be cut out for this job? I know they signed him to a contract extension for next year or picked up the option, whatever it is, or something like that. But does he want to do this much longer? Because he really is in almost a no-win situation down there with Miami. I mean, they've lost nine in a row right now. They're playing in Philadelphia. And the bats have just gone, like, completely cold for this team. I mean, they haven't scored more than three runs in any of these last nine games. And there was only one of the games where they even scored three runs. So they are like ice cold coming into this series tomorrow with the Mets. And good part about it is for New York, they're not going to have to worry about seeing Sandy Alcantara, who's only the leader in the clubhouse right now for the National League Cy Young Award. So the Mets get the benefit of having to avoid him. So all things are coming up Mets, which is good. Now, unfortunately... The Braves are not relenting in any way, and that is going to be the problem for them the rest of the season. Braves have the night off. They're back at it tomorrow, opening up a weekend series in Seattle against a real good Mariners team. So you got to figure that, okay, maybe Seattle can win one or a couple of those games. Castillo is not going to pitch in that series for the M's. You know, he killed the Yankees this year. And Castillo actually got hit around pretty good last night believe it or not. So Braves are going to take their show to Seattle, Mets down in Miami, and of course it's just that half-game lead which separates the two teams. Jordan Renan is also going to join us later on in the program. He, of course, covers the Giants for ESPN, so we'll talk to Jordan, set the scene for where Big Blue is right now, and leading into this game on Sunday with the season opener. I I mentioned it the other night, Brian Dayball is doing something a little bit different as terms of the practice schedule, really as opposed to like a lot of other teams and coaches conduct their practice. And, you know, we'll get some info on it from Jordan. But Dayball is given Thursday as the players' day off. Normally, like, around the league, it's Tuesdays. So no practice. The players, you know, have to do whatever they want. And then they come back Wednesday ready to work. And, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday is a travel day if you're on the road. And then you play, of course, on Sunday. But Dayball decided, you know what, Thursday's going to be the day where – they kick their feet up and they uh, recharge the batteries a little bit. We'll see if it pays any dividends on the field, of course, when it comes to the Titans on Sunday afternoon there, in which, you know, I think that's one of the interesting games of the week, not just because here we're in New York and the Giants are one of our teams and we want to see if they're going to be good, but, I mean, I, I think if you look at it critically from around the NFL and you look at these week one matchups, and I was looking at them a little bit deeper 
earlier today, you know, just trying to size them up and, you know, which ways we're maybe thinking about picks-wise and, and all those different type of things here. I, I think that the Giants-Titans game is really, really intriguing to me. I mean, anytime you have a new coach or a new general manager and you're starting over like the Giants are, you know, you want to see them right out of the gate and see how they perform. You know, I remember back in 2006 when Eric Mangini and Mike Tannenbaum began their run together with the New York Jets. That first game that season in Tennessee against the Titans, and the Jets went in there and won the game, and, you know, that kicked off a real nice season in 06 for the Jets under Mangini, where they won 10, they made the playoffs as a wild card. So, hey, maybe the same is going to lie in store for the Giants if they have themselves a good afternoon there in the Music City. But, hey, long way to go there, of course. We're not going to get too carried away. And I think the Tennessee is interesting because, you know, they've had a nice run of success here over the last couple of years, but I'm not as big a believer in the Titans this year as maybe, you know, we were in the past. I know you still have Derrick Henry. I know he's a beast. I know that, you know, they've remade the wide receiver position to a certain degree. You know, certainly uh, drafting Traylon Burks, the kid from Arkansas, in the first round. You know, trading for Robert Woods, whose time with the Rams was cut short last year because of an injury. You know that he is a, a very capable player. But, look, I got my doubts about Ryan Tannehill. And and, and I've said this, and I'll continue to say it. I, I would not be shocked at all. If by the time we get to, let's say, November, Malik Willis is the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans as opposed to Ryan Tannehill. You know, Malik Willis, the third-round pick from Liberty, you know, he showed you some good things during the preseason. A lot of people thought that he was going to be drafted a lot higher than the third round, a lot earlier than the third round. And, you know, Tannehill's a guy, despite the fact that they gave him a contract and, you know, they're believing in him, I just, I always, I, I still just feel like Tannehill's a guy like keeping the seat warm for somebody else. And if the Titans didn't feel that way, they wouldn't have taken Malik Willis as maybe the next guy in line. And somebody to hand over that baton. But forget about Tennessee. You know, you're a Giant fan. You're wondering who's going to be our quarterback, not just all season, but then even next year. And it's a put-up-or-shut-up year for Daniel Jones. You know, he's got an opportunity to impress his new bosses that he is someone that can lead this team to bigger and better things beyond 2022. Now, do I believe that's going to be the case? I can't say that just yet. But I believe deep down... When you talk about the Giants, their starting quarterback, week one of 2023, is somebody who is not on the roster right now. I don't know if he's on another team. I don't know if he's in college, if he's at the mess hall, or if he's got an exam he's studying for tomorrow or whatever, or writing a term paper. But I just don't think he's on this club right now. So it tells you all I really need to think about Daniel Jones and, you know, where you're at right now. And if you're a Giant fan, I mean, how many Giant fans realistically have kind of seen enough already of Daniel Jones? And are ready to move on and turn the page. It's like, okay, I've been there, done that, right? Been down that road already. We know exactly what we are and what we have. And I don't think you're wrong for thinking that. I mean, I know that it's been a mess. You know, and in the words of, of John Mara, who said in the offseason, you know, that the Giants as a franchise have done everything humanly possible to screw up Daniel Jones. And he's right. But sometimes guys like that are beyond saving. And they're the ones that maybe need a new change of scenery for their own good. And maybe Daniel Jones wants a change of scenery. You know, maybe he's decided, you know what, enough is enough. And who knows, the way the season plays out, if they get off to a rough start the first couple of months and, you know, the Boo Birds are raining down from MetLife Stadium and the fans want Tyrod Taylor and maybe he gets some more looks, then maybe Daniel Jones might have, you know, a a moment with himself. And he says, you know what, I'm I'm done with this. You know, I'll be happy to play someplace else next year. But. You know, we'll see if that happens. We'll see if it happens. And then, of course, you got the Jets with the Ravens. 
coming up on Sunday in MetLife Stadium. And we spent a lot of last night's show talking about the Zach Wilson injury and how it's going to knock him out in all probability for at least the first three games of the season. Well, now today, and, and, and look, I didn't even talk about it much last night because, you know, it was just one day. You know, it's the Wednesday practice. Things could change. And it really wasn't any news to me, to be honest with you. I had never gotten wind of this. But now there's a legitimate chance that the Jets are going into that game on Sunday, not just without Zach Wilson, but also they could be down Dwayne Brown. And Dwayne Brown just got here. Yeah, that Dwayne Brown, the guy that they signed when they found out that Mekhi Becton was going to be lost for the season. Dwayne Brown apparently has a shoulder injury. Don't know how he got it, don't know where he got it, but he didn't practice yesterday, and today he didn't practice again, and today he went off-site to go get the shoulder looked at. So, I mean, if I'm a betting man right now, Jets are going to have to do some reshuffling on that offensive line making the task even that much more difficult. Playing a Baltimore Ravens team who I said all last night, and I'll continue to say it before Sunday, there are not many other teams in the National Football League that you want to be matched up against in week one of a season right out of the gate. When you haven't played your starters all that much in the exhibition campaign, and maybe the new faces haven't time haven't had time yet to gel together. Baltimore is not the team that you want to be seeing on the other side of the field come Sunday afternoon. So the Jets are going to have a test. You know it was going to be a test before the, you know, before we even got to training camp as soon as the schedule came out. And now you figure it's going to be even more so when the fact that the Jets are down now some key personnel going into this game on Sunday. So we got a lot of things to talk about tonight. A lot of things. We'll keep you up to date on the Yankees. They look to continue their winning ways tonight against the Minnesota Twins. And you heard me on with Don and Peter just a couple of minutes ago. I mean, why are we even sweating this game? Really? I mean, it doesn't matter what year, what month, what day of the week, what solar system, whatever you want to call it. The weather forecast, don't matter. If the day ends in Y, the Yankees are going to beat the Minnesota Twins. It doesn't matter how big of a slump they're in. It doesn't matter if, you know, Minnesota is the best team in baseball and the Yankees are not. The Yankees are going to beat the Twins. And I fully expect them to do so tonight with Nestor back out on the mound against Sonny Gray, our old buddy. So I'll have one eye on that one. One eye, of course, on Bills and Rams when that gets underway coming up in about an hour or so. Plenty of your phone calls at 800-919-3776. Dan Gross' show, Thursday, football is back. 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! A 
Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Does it really feel like football? You know, does it? I I mean, I know it's just one game, and it's kind of strange because, you know, it might not be your team. Certainly it's not any of our teams here in New York City, even though, yeah, Buffalo is in New York State. But it just doesn't feel like, you know, I need to see, like, everybody out there on Sunday afternoon before you start to get the sense of, all right, it's football. And we'll be out there, of course, on Sunday at MetLife, jet coverage right here on 98.7. Uh, beginning at 11 a.m., Greg Buttle and myself on the pregame show, then Bob and Marty with the call soon after at 1. But it's like, you know, college football has that week zero. But, it's you know, I, I remember I tried watching a couple of those games, and it just didn't really have that feel. You needed the following weekend before, like, everybody was playing, before you say, all right, college football's back. I think the NFL's the same way. You know, I need a little Sunday. But we're still going to watch tonight. We're still going to get into it but just want to see everybody else out there. And we'll give you some football picks, of course, a little bit later on. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. So the Jets are going into this game on Sunday. We already know with Joe Flacco. And Damian Woody, our good pal, who you're going to hear on occasion this year on the pregame show with us, he was on KJM this morning and said, you know what? The drop-off from Zach Wilson to Joe Flacco is really all not significant. Is there a real drop-off? To be honest with you, if, you, if you've seen anything, I don't think there's a real drop-off. Listen, the one thing that Zach Wilson can do is he can extend plays, you know, because he's athletic and he got a strong arm. But I think Joe Flacco's more seasoned and understands the game better. He can operate the offense. So, listen, I don't think anyone expects the New York Jets to be, you know, this team that's one of the upper echelon teams in the AFC. But, you know, as far as this, you know, this talk of, oh, you know, they're going from Zach Wilson to, to Joe Flacco. And that's basically how I look at it because I don't see the drop-off. I don't see any drop-off there. I'll be honest with you, all right? I actually think, forget about Flacco being the quarterback. The more significant loss for the Jets on Sunday is not even Flacco playing in place of Zach Wilson than it would be if Dwayne Brown is unable to take the field because then what do you do? They have options, you know? Jets have options that they can fill that void with. Now, I'll tell you what in all probability – they're likely to do, but I'll also tell you what I would do, and it might be a little bit off the beaten path, and I don't think that, you know, Robert Sala and company care what I have to say or what I think, but this is just my own two cents. If they're going to leave, well, what they would do first and foremost is they'll probably take George Fanton and move him back over to left tackle, right? George was there pretty much all last year, all throughout the offseason, and expected to be you know, the starting left tackle until Mekhi Becton went down with an injury and they signed Dwayne Brown, so they had to kick George Fan over to right tackle because Dwayne Brown never plays the right side. So George will move over to the left. And then what do you do at right tackle? You're going to throw a rookie in there and Max Mitchell? Remember, because Chuma Adoga is gone. Remember, they really, they felt so good about the tackle situation at cuts that they decided to let Adoga go and he got picked up with somebody else. So you don't even have him to throw in there because at least he has some experience. So Max Mitchell's the kid they drafted in, the in what, the fifth round from um, Louisiana 
And look, I didn't think he would be ready to play in 2022. He's a developmental prospect. If you ask me, I think he needs to maybe um, fill out a little bit more to handle the rigors of playing tackle on the National Football League level. You know, it's a lot different than playing, you know, tackle in the Sunbelt Conference. I think they're in the Sunbelt Conference. Who the hell knows anymore with realignment? But this is a huge step up. You know, and Connor McDermott was brought back, but I mean, you know, we kind of been down there and, and, and seen that already with him. What I would do, if I was the one making the lineup calls for Sunday, yes, George Fant, I would kick him over to left tackle. That's a no-brainer. Then what I would do is I would take Nate Herbig, who was a guy they signed in the offseason from the Philadelphia Eagles, guard, guy who started games, started games for Philadelphia, capable player. I would take Nate Herbig, and I would play him at right guard. And then I would take Elijah Vera Tucker, who played tackle in college, remember, and I would kick him one spot over to right tackle. Now, you say, well, wait a sec. You're going to do that maybe in just one or two practices and have him go out there and start, you know, week one in the NFL? It's been done before, you know, in other circumstances around the league. Some successful, some not so successful. And like I said, I don't know if they're going to do it, but that would just be my thoughts. Because you want to get your five best offensive linemen on the field at the same time. And I'm sorry, I think that Nate Herbig is a better offensive lineman right now at his position than what you would be asking a rookie in like Max Mitchell to suddenly burst onto the scene and start week one in his rookie season when this was supposed to be essentially a developmental year for him. So I don't know, maybe they are thinking that. You know, media can't see practice. Maybe this is what they are doing. Robert Sala didn't talk today. He's going to talk tomorrow. Maybe he's going to let the cat out of the bag. Who knows? But that's just my two cents. Ira in Staten Island. He's going to be first up here on 98.7 ESPN. Ira, good evening, my friend. How are you? Good evening, my friend. How are you? Excellent. You sound good. Great, great idea. You want to get your five best players out there. I do want to mention something about the Ravens. Yeah. But, you know, the thing that scares me, and like I said, a lot of things you said make sense. Mitchell got a lot of time with the ones in, in the preseason, and I get it. He's a developmental player. I think I would roll with him, no disrespect with your idea, only because you could put a tight end there and keep a running back there to chip away. Maybe, you know, maybe that would be a little easier than taking Tucker and putting him on right tackle. The last time the Jets reshuffled the line, like to the extent that you were saying, was like co-type. It was an opener. I think Roger Duffy. Remember that? What a disaster. And Neil, Neil O'Donnell must have got sacked about four What a disaster that, that was. Yeah, but remember, that. I mean, but, but Roger Duffy was a guy who, you know, was not exactly, you know, stout enough to play tackle at his size. That's why it was so, like, out there. I mean, at least Elijah Vera Tucker is somebody who played tackle at USC, you know what I mean, and played it at a high level. That's that's true. I just you, you don't know you know what the transition, but it's, but it's not a bad idea. And you know, listen, the coaches hopefully to make the right, best decisions. But as for the Ravens, and you know, I, I I've been picking the Jets in this game all along. With the Brown situation right now, I, I'm gonna kind of retract what I'm saying until I know for sure what Brown's deal is. But if he didn't practice Wednesday and Thursday, I don't expect him to play. But we'll find out tomorrow. But as for the Ravens. If you're a defensive coordinator, and mm-hmm. I know you hand, you got Lamar Jackson, I get it. I, I get the whole situation with him. But really, besides him, 
if you if you double team Andrews a tight end, their, their receivers don't scare you. I mean, Gardner should be able to handle Bateman no problem one on one. If he can't, then he you know we got a problem. So if you could cheat on the tight end and and you could put a spy and keep Jackson in the box, you know you might be able to contain him and, and keep this game. You know, maybe within scoring range, maybe we have a shot. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Got to obviously not turn the ball over. That's number one. And and I know, like, on paper, like you said, Iron. I thank you for the phone call. Um, the wide receivers don't necessarily scare you. You know, Bateman's going into his second year. I liked him actually coming in um, into the draft last season. But, you know, last year was tricky for the Ravens. You know, Lamar Jackson missed a lot of games at the end of the season. And, you know, they kind of took a step back. And, you know, they missed out on the playoffs. A year ago. And, and Hollywood Brown, who was their best receiver, he got traded to Arizona and the Cardinals. But the tight end is always somebody who's going to feature prominently in this Ravens attack. You know, work in the middle of the field. Mark Andrews is as good as it gets. He and Lamar Jackson have a good thing going. And they're also going to welcome J.K. Dobbins back, you know, who was a, 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 their top running back a couple of years ago. And he missed last season due to injury. So you got him healthy again. I think you're going to see a lot of zone read type stuff. That's the way they like to run that offense. You know, and they're going to be heavy on the run game, whether that's the backs, whether that's Lamar Jackson himself. Jets are going to have to, you know, buckle the chin strap, as they say. This is a game that could be decided in the trenches, especially if it's going to be as prominently featured when it comes to the run game. We'll see. We'll see. 800-919-3776. We'll get more on the Ravens coming up in about 15 minutes with Kadri Ismail former Super Bowl champion for Baltimore. Now he covers them down there in Baltimore. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. one nothing, New York Yankees. 2 nothing, New York Yankees. How about that? 2 nothing, Miguel and Duhar. Look at that. Ring it out. Bum, 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 bum. Two-run jack to left. Yankees 2, Twins nothing. I mean, did we tell you it was going to be any different? Did we? Didn't we tell you that this is exactly how it was going to play itself out? Yankees, Twins, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. They are always going to take care of business. I gave the stat when I was talking to Don and Peter before. I don't know if you guys caught this. Since 2002, so we're going back about 20 years of inventory, 
The Yankees' record against the Minnesota Twins is 114-39. and uh, That is like insanity. I mean, you think back even to 2009, the last time the Yankees won the World Series. Like, remember what kick-started that whole run? It was a series against Minnesota. I mean, even A-Rod. Even A-Rod did some damage. Like, it, it, it took the Minnesota Twins to get the Yankees right on that World Series journey. It is the cure-all for this baseball team. And damn shame they don't play anymore. Like, this is it. You know, starting tomorrow, the Yankees are going to play a real team in the Tampa Bay Rays. June 29th, 2021. So a little bit over a year, about a year and a quarter for Miguel Andujar in terms of hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Now, I don't know if you guys heard Aaron Boone a little bit earlier today. He was on with... The K Show in his weekly spot on Thursdays at 4 o'clock. And, you know, we knew that DJ LeMayhew has been fighting it a little bit, battling that toe injury, and he just hasn't been the same. You know, even when he's in the lineup and he's trying to gut it out, he's just not producing. And it's almost doing him a disservice at this point because he's, he's you know, a shell of what he normally is when he's healthy and raring to go. So the guys, they asked Boone if DJ LeMayhew was going to stay on the roster or would they have to put him on the I.L.? Are you guys going to put DJ on the IL? He is going to go on the IL today, yes. And, you know, kind of as I keep talking about this last week, you know, it, it is kind of a complicated, tricky, you know, injury and, and what exactly is the right course of action. Um, but we do feel like an IL stint, hopefully they can get their arms around this better Um Hopefully the timeout is something that can serve him well because, we, I mean, obviously he's such an enormous part of our team and was in the midst of such a great season and, and clearly I think over the last few weeks has been compromised. So uh, we're going to do all we can to get him in a good spot. You know, I, I think there is a feeling that there are some things between rest and different treatments and that that hopefully can get him back to that point to where he can be the impactful guy that we know he is when he's right. Well, I mean, that's all well and good, and and I think that at this point it probably makes a lot of sense for them to just shut him down because he's not helping the team. And for a lot of the reasons that Aaron Boone just articulated there, he's he's doing a disservice to them almost when you look at this lineup. And he can't just keep writing his name in there because he's DJ LeMayhew and he's a guy who's a former batting champion and a former All-Star and an MVP finalist and all those things. He's almost an automatic out at this point. You know, and you almost have to just grin and bear it. And that's the crummy part about the situation they're in right now. Like, you know, the John Carlos Stanton situation. They they they're keeping their fingers crossed and they think that maybe he'll be back in there this weekend. They hope. But we said this a couple of nights ago, you know, when he fouled that uh pitch off of his foot. I mean, this is Stanton. Right? I mean, he's not exactly been the epitome of an Iron Man. So even something like this, to where the X-rays are negative and, you know, they don't think it's anything serious, well. Have we seen him since? Right? Have we seen this guy out there? No, because it's like the same old, same old. Anything that could go wrong will go wrong with this guy. But it doesn't matter against the Minnesota Twins. That's why you might as well have just played these guys against Minnesota tonight and said, ah, the heck with it. They'll probably hit the, you know, Stanton will probably go in there on one foot and hit the ball out of the ballpark just because it's Minnesota and it's Sonny Gray. It was nice to see, among other things, you know, aside from the fact that it's Tampa, it was nice to see Holmes, Luisaga, pitch well out of the bullpen. Now, 
you can look at it and say, well, yeah, that's good, right? I mean, they're, they're, maybe they're getting back on track. Like, we think that they finally figured this thing out. Or you just say, well, it's, it's, it's the Twins. And, and, of course, that things are going to go favorably for the Yankees. Because they always do. If they could get this bullpen figured out again, obviously I think that would be immensely important. Because that's one less thing that you have to worry about. The back end of that bullpen. Which, for the first three, four months of the season, was not even a concern in the world for you. Right? I mean, not even close. So now, I mean, I I don't know if you're going to get back to that level, like where Holmes is pitching essentially like a one ERA. Because this was somebody that, you know, before he went on the shelf, you really legitimately questioned, like, what type of player you had on your hands for the rest of the season. A guy who really has not had a track record of success in Clay Holmes, you know, for an extended period of time. And now you're turning over the most important outs of a game to this guy? If he's going to get hitters out and he's going to be a lockdown late-inning reliever again, that'll go a long way towards the Yankees trying to compensate for their lack of offense. And I still don't think that it's figured itself out. I mean, I, I to me, it's a legit concern still with this baseball team because it's Aaron Judge and everybody else. And any team that would pitch to Aaron Judge the rest of the season, they should have their heads examined. And I still think he's going to do it. I still think he's going to set the record. You know, he's at 55, needs seven more. But he shouldn't have a lot of opportunities. That's for darn sure. Should not have a lot of opportunities. All right, we come back. We'll switch gears and go back to some football. Kadri Ismail, former Super Bowl champion from the Ravens, now is part of their pregame show on CBS Baltimore. He will join us as we do our first Behind Enemy Lines feature and preview the Jets' week one opponent in the Baltimore Ravens. Dan Gross' show, it's 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know about our teams. Protect your brother today, man. Don't leave nothing on this field. <laughs> but how well do you know this week's opponent? Let's go behind enemy lines. We go behind enemy lines right now. Dan Grass's show, 98.7 ESPN. As you know, of course, Jets taking on the Ravens in week number one. So to help us dive a little bit deeper into the visiting Ravens, we bring in our next guest. He is, of course, former Super Bowl champion 
of the Baltimore Ravens. Now he's part of the Purple Pregame Show on WJZ CBS Baltimore. It's the missile. It's our pal Kadri Ismail. Kadri, Dan Grasso, long time no chat, my friend. How are you? Dan, I'm doing excellent. Ready for some football. Oh, your lips, buddy, to God's ears. Glad it's here finally, and we're all looking forward to it, certainly. And I'm sure Ravens fans are looking forward to it, too, because you consider 8-9 and nine last year, a little bit of a disappointing season, all things considered. Do you chalk it up mostly to just injuries were too much to overcome, or do you think there were some underlying issues that were a little deeper than just availability? No, I think it's just that. It's the injuries. If you look at it, once Lamar Jackson went down – it was a spiral downhill and the mark I believe of a good football team is when things are bad, do you stick together? Do you compete on the field or are you a team where you're making mental errors like false starts or showing up late for meetings or whatever it might be as far as the negative, it shows up in bad play. We didn't see that. We saw a competitive football team in those final few weeks of the season to the point where it was a play here or there that if they had their guys who would have been the frontline starters, I think they very well would have been right where they should have been, a playoff contending team. You mentioned everything revolves around Lamar Jackson, and of course we know he's one of the most electrifying players in the National Football League. We also know that he's trying to hammer out a contract still. Do you believe in any way, shape, or form that it'll serve as a distraction if they don't get something done? I guess, what, tomorrow's the deadline that he imposed? Yeah, he did. He imposed a deadline. Um, so far, what we've seen this offseason uh, in training camp and, and obviously up to this final moment is that all reports have been he's been focused. He's been locked in. The player side of him has not affected the business side, nor the business side affected the player side. Uh, I think there's nuances there when it comes to, you know, protecting yourself and making sure that um, whether it be, you know, getting a, a, an insurance policy out on yourself or, you know, making sure that, hey, if it is your mom that is negotiating and you making sure that, you know, she's the one that's going to be handling certain, you know, uh, conversations with Eric. And if it is a case where he wants to shut it down completely, then, okay, on to football and on to $23 million this year and see how it all unfolds uh, come this offseason. Do you think there's any sort of injury or slash durability concerns with him given what happened last year? Or do you think that that's just a one-shot deal and it should be all systems go this time around? So here's the funny thing about it because I know uh, from, from the people here in, in Baltimore and, and Ravens fans, we recognize that he got injured by trying to throw the ball inside the pocket. It wasn't like he was getting injured from some vicious hit of running the ball, and it was a heel bruise. And that was it. It wasn't like a, a pulled muscle. It wasn't like, you know, he, you know, was awkwardly running or anything. So the heel bruise, uh, you know, they, it was revealed more of a, a, a true bone, you know, bruise type of an injury. So with that said, I mean, that could pretty much happen to any quarterback. And, you know, unfortunately it happened to Lamar. So I don't think it's like, oh, he's injury prone. I do know that the Chicago game, um, when he was out, that was due to a sickness. So outside of that, you know, I don't really see Lamar being a guy that is should should even be labeled injury anything. It's just he had a bone bruise, he was out, and he's going to be back. He's 100%. And I think, you know, the team as a whole, uh, unfortunately, just got the on the wrong side of, you know, uh, you know the good luck bug and, and had a dose of bad luck. 
Kadri Ismail joining us here on the Dan Grasso Show, previewing the Baltimore Ravens right here on 98.7 ESPN. They'll take on the Jets on Sunday. Defense has always been the calling card, really, for the history of this organization. I know that pains you a little bit because you're a wide receiver, of course, and, you know, won a championship <laughs> as an offensive player. But, you know, last year the defense was very unRaven-like, to say the least. Out goes Wink Martindale. In is Mike McDonald now as the new defensive coordinator. Got a couple of brand-new safeties. You know you already have two of the top corners in the National Football League. What are the expectations for this unit, and is it kind of expecting what we're used to seeing from them this year? Yeah, here's the crazy thing about it. I am proud to say the 2000 Ravens uh, defense was the best defense to ever lace them up, period, end of discussion. Yeah, I said it, 84 Bears fans, go ahead and doubt it. Anyway, that's These guys were said, good, though, Kadri. 85 Bears were good. They were good. They were good. We were better. So with all that, (laughs) you had a young guy in Marlon Humphreys who, you know, he has a little swagger to him and he's doing these different podcasts and uh, stuff that, um, you know, he he was doing and he had Rod Woodson on and he was telling Rod, who was a member of that 2000 Ravens team and uh, our Hall of Fame safety, Rod Woodson was like, yeah, you know, we had a, a very explosive team, a very together unit. And it was interesting because, Marlon was like, we, I, I want to, I had to literally go back and look at just how good your, your defense was. I didn't, you know, really put two and two together and I want us to be that way. And so when you got a, a leader like Marlon talking about how to attain greatness and, and, and not just be good, but great, there's a, another level to that greatness and, you know, bringing everyone along on the defense to make sure that they're, their their minds and their 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 assignments are in the right space and and making plays and causing and creating turnovers um that's that's something that i kind of smile at and say ooh okay you know challenge accepted i think for this defense to to get to that upper tier level but then at the same time recognize the only way they're going to do that is yes obviously one stay healthy but number two you know making sure everyone's on the same page and that was one of the things that I, I noticed in camp, just the level of communication with Mike McDonald and then at the same time how the guys were communicating with one another and, and making sure everyone knew their assignment. How has Kyle Hamilton looked so far? Because he was a guy, you know, first-round pick, of course, out of Notre Dame, but he was somebody during the whole mocks and the you know lead-up to the draft that a lot of people were tying maybe to the Jets down here with one of those first-round picks. How has Hamilton looked so far? You know, he's looked like a rookie. Um, there are times where he was looking, you know, you know, outstanding and, and making plays, and other times like, woo, okay. So I, I think um, it'll be interesting to see when it does come Sunday how they utilize him. I know they uh, tried to, you know, put him out there and, and catch him up to speed by playing him an awful lot in the preseason, which, you know, is technically – par for the course for for John Harbaugh's team, but this year it seemed kind of out of the ordinary because, you know, he was doing a different approach, which was not to play his the entire preseason. But, yeah, Kyle Hamilton, I think, you know, he has the luxury of having guys like Chuck Clark and Marcus uh, Williams. I think there are guys there in the secondary that can, can provide that veteran savvy that will give him uh, a chance to – to just learn the game and, and, and get better at his craft. What is a healthy J.K. Dobbins going to mean for this offense now that you have him in the backfield? Bruh, that dude, like, 
last year they had, you know, who's who's list of guys um, when you looked at, you know, whether it been Le'Veon Bell and company, but they were over the hill. And so the running back room and the way they looked on uh, game day was like, yeah, all right, you know, you averaged, what, 145 uh, yards a game and, you know, you were top two in, in rushing offense. But, you know, this, this offense, it, I call it bully ball. And when they line up, you know, studs like Lamar Jackson, obviously, but when you got J.K. and, and Gus Edwards in the backfield, I mean, bro, we're talking eight yards is, is average. We're, we're, we're looking at, you know, big chunks like 13 to 14, 20, 25 yards, 30 yards at a clip that these guys produce. And, and I think with J.K. Uh, pushing himself to get back out there and get back up to form, it's going to be really good to see him back there. I think uh, he's a pivotal part of what the Ravens are going to do this year. How's your offensive line shaping up? I know Ronnie Stanley certainly had the injury last year and a long rehab process during the offseason. He just only recently got back out on the field. Do we expect him to go on Sunday? And Tyler Linderbaum, you know, certainly the whole pre-draft, him at the center position, you know, the tape he put out there from Iowa last year. How has he come along here, those two guys in particular on that line? Well, you said it. I mean, so goes Ronnie Stanley, so goes this offensive line. And I think so goes this offense. Um, you know, Ronnie, when he went down, it, it, it just changed everything up. I know, obviously, the, the year he went down came the emergence of Orlando Brown Jr., who obviously is in Kansas City and, and doing his thing. But, you know, Ronnie Stanley, man, that dude is, is, is a beast. He, he is such a talented, talented uh, left tackle. And, and whether it be the run game, whether it be in the pass game, I mean, he brings so much stability to the offensive line. And, and I think he was cautious. He was cautious the offseason. He, he was cautious throughout training camp. I think, uh, you know, at some point in time, and, and, and obviously he's pushing himself to get back out there and, and, you know, did a lot this week. I'd be curious to see what he feels um, and, and the staff, the training staff, feels that he's capable of, of doing as far as going out there and, and playing full speed. Now, with all that said, Tyler Lindebaum, you know, I'm, I'm looking at him as like, all right, he's, he's that – that missing piece, if you will, to the to the line that they hadn't had in, in a minute. And uh, I think he'll settle down the offensive line in so many ways, using his athleticism. But also, I think bigger picture is the, the cerebral game of making sure everybody is in the right spot and, and doing their thing. A couple more minutes here with Kadri Esmail talking Ravens on the Dan Grasso Show. The Joe Flacco factor. Everybody knows him well down there. He's going to be the guy under center this week for the injured Zach Wilson. Is it a big advantage, you think, for Baltimore that they have a read, even though it's been some years since he was last there, but they kind of know his tendencies? How much do you think that will factor in Sunday? Uh, I mean, what is it, 2018 was the last time he was here? Yeah. And, you know, if you look at the, the the roster, I mean, you know, outside of Lamar and maybe maybe one other guy, I mean, I, you know, what, Justin Tucker, the kicker? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the roster is turned over. So I think the bottom line is, is that um, – yeah, Joe, you know, certainly as far as fan base, as far as, you know, what, what uh, you know, the affinity of what he brought to the table as far as the 2012 season. But, you know, yeah, okay, you, you, you got I'm, – I'm blowing off some of the dust on the Joe Flacco number five jersey, and I'm putting it on. Okay, that's about it. Otherwise, he's, you know, uh, uh, going to be wearing the green, and he's a Jets guy. He's their quarterback. I think – more than anything, the, the cool part about it is is that, uh, you know, this defense is hungry to get after the quarterback, and we know that Joe is not the most fleet of foot. 
Now, he has a tremendous arm, no question about it, but I think there will be opportunity for the defense to kind of uh, pin their ears back and get after Joe Flacco. All right, final thing, Kadri. What about this team shaping up in the AFC North? You know, there's a little bit of transition this year in the division. You know, Pittsburgh, of course, no more Roethlisberger, a lot of questions at quarterback. Cleveland's not going to have Deshaun Watson for the first 11 weeks of the season. You know, Cincinnati – yeah, they went to the Super Bowl last year, but they've never really experienced prosperity more than just for one year. And then you have this Ravens team who got littered with injuries a season ago. Where do you think this team shapes up overall in the pecking order of the North? Man, I mean, as much as I want to be a homer and say, oh, this is the Ravens and they're going to do this. I mean, it, it, this, this, it, everything, this division goes through Cincinnati. And, yes, they, they historically haven't been that – um, you know, sustaining, winning type of a, a ball club. Uh, Marvin Lewis has had some years, but uh, I think with Joe Burrow, it's it's just different. You know, he has some studs around him. Um, yeah, the offensive line, they got better, though, too, but we'll see how that all plays out. He, he's athletic enough and mobile enough, uh, but he that dude, whoo, man, his, his, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and all them, are you kidding me? I'm, I am – I am nervous. Uh, if, 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 you know, just from a pure Ravens aspect of things, I am nervous to see how it all shapes out. Uh, if this Ravens team stays healthy, uh, absolutely, I think that they can go toe to toe with Cincinnati. But, but everything runs through Cincinnati in the in the North. I was just looking at the schedule. You guys end the season in Cincinnati in Week 18. There, that could be a doozy potentially maybe for the top spot in the division we'll see how it plays itself out here i think both teams would maybe sign it for that one Kadri, my man always great to catch up uh happy football have a great uh, broadcast on sunday and we'll do this again soon appreciate you brother always thank you all right there's Kadri Esmail, the missile joining us here from the purple pregame show on cbs in baltimore of course former super bowl champion of the baltimore ravens so that is our behind enemy lines this is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN.